Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a Welcome to another edition of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. I'm Craig. We're bringing you uh, this week's edition here just a few days before the holidays. And our present to you is a tale from Finland <laughs> called Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. Uh, Craig, I think you were the one who was uh, most interested in seeing this movie. Where did you first hear about it? Yeah, I read about it somewhere on Bloody Disgusting or, or something um, around the time that it came out. And I always thought that it looked interesting, uh, and I had just never gotten around to watching it. And we had to pick stuff for, uh, for this, and I was kind of just looking through Christmas-themed horror stuff, and this one popped up. Uh, I read a few reviews and it got really, really positive reviews. So I thought, you know, let's let's save this so we have something good to go out on this year. Yeah, it's pretty appropriate. A movie about Santa Claus. Of course, we did a movie about the anti-Santa Claus right. last week, and this this movie really has a lot of parallels in many ways to the Krampus story, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I mean, especially in the beginning, the way that the movie starts out is we see this kind of corporate drilling site I guess on the top of a mountain and uh, they have drilled down and they found ice down there and and the guy who's in charge is all excited See, at first I thought we drilled into some old tree or something but no this level of sawdust is 65 foot thick it doesn't add up it doesn't make sense it does in the olden days, people used to store ice by encasing it in sawdust. Yeah, but what do you mean? What are you trying to say? This mountain is like a giant ice box. For storing what? Drill deeper, and you will see. Well, I am. They're drilling as we speak. And these two little kids who, one of them, Pietri, who ends up being our, our main character, they're kind of spying and seeing what's going on. And he immediately comes to the conclusion that what they must have found is Santa Claus buried. Now, where he came to that conclusion from, <laughs> I don't really know. But he goes home and he finds this old book uh, that he looks through that kind of, it's, a, it's the truth about Santa Claus. And it's much like the Krampus Tale. You know, he opens it and he's looking through the pictures and you see these kind of scary images of, of Santa Claus. He's horned. He's not the jolly old fat guy that uh, we have come to know and love. There's pictures of him uh, stealing children, boiling children in cauldrons. Uh, and so in that regard, yes, very, very, very similar, even similar in look, really. It, it really is because uh, the Santa Clauses in here have horns of course, they're wearing a little more of the traditional Santa outfits in some pictures, but some that seem to maybe go back for, for years into the older lore just have them looking like, kind of like a Krampus devil. Yeah, kind of yeah, like what definitely. We're talking about. And uh, this is up in Finland, uh, pretty much at the border, it looks like, between Finland and Russia. And uh, the people in the mountain who were doing the excavating are on the Russian side. And the boys had had to cut through. It was actually Pietri and his friend Juzo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or Yuso. Yuso. Yeah. Who right. had to cut through the fence to get through and in there. So this is an interesting part of the world that I'm not very familiar with. This lifestyle of right. these Finnish people way out in the cold, out in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's almost like when you think of Siberia, this is where they are. Uh, and their profession is to basically harvest reindeer. Right. 
Um, which is just kind of cute. It's another Christmassy thing. <laughs> Where this all sort of ties together, right? I guess if if Santa Claus is going to be frozen in a mountain somewhere, he's going to be frozen in a mountain somewhere where there's tons of reindeer, right? Uh, and uh, and so this family, Pietri, just has his father, and all we really see are men in this entire. It just hit me. Yeah, it is. I, I don't remember if there were any women at all, and it doesn't say what happened to the mother. You get the sense that. There's been some tragedy. She's she's died, I, I presume. Uh, but you're right. All of the characters are male. I don't think there's a single woman in the film, there's at least. There's not even a girl. Yeah, not no, recognizable. There comes a point where uh, Pietri is, it has a list of his friends because he's calling his to see if his friends are okay and we'll get to why in a second and that one of the names on the list was Elsa so I guess oh, that's true. <laughs> I guess there are girls or women somewhere and one of the other main male characters talks about his wife so I guess there are women around but uh, they're not in the film at least not recognizably so I mean I guess some of those extras towards the end yeah, could maybe. have potentially <laughs> been women I don't know well it's a very masculine type movie you know it it's, it's a very male centered movie there you've got these people out there in this rugged harsh environment uh, and the men are clearly the ones who are bringing the bread home right because they're the ones who are herding in these reindeer and hunting them uh, it turns out that uh, pietri's father rauno is the butcher mm-hmm. a bit basically of, of the clan if you will the village i guess is what it is yeah They're, it is a really interesting setting because it, it's so remote and it's so limited i mean uh pietri and his dad I guess they're they're kind of as a little village, but they kind of live, I guess, a little bit out on the outskirts of that. Uh, and it's just really secluded and it's really rustic. It's a, a very different scenario. It's it's not something that I've ever seen a movie really set against a backdrop like that, unless you want it like The Thing or, or The something. Thing, yeah. I kept thinking of The Thing. Actually, you know, just watching this and it's starting to get cold now too. You get, it's like watching The Thing, you know? There's never a scene where there isn't snow right. blowing around and people wearing fur coats and breathing into the cold. It must have been a pain to shoot this thing. But yet then again, I guess uh, Pietri can run outside without any pants right. on. <laughs> He's so used to this. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious, but then I'm thinking, you know, this is the environment that they're used to. I, I I certainly wouldn't want to be running around in my drawers out in the blizzard, but I guess that's, you know, that's the life they leave. It's funny. And so this particular time of year, apparently, when the reindeer all, I guess, migrate mm-hmm. or move in their herd uh, towards the camp, and uh, what did they call it, the roundup? Yeah. So uh, they have a very large pen created there, and they've gathered, again, it's like all the men and all the adult, all the young boys, out to this pen where the fence is electrified, and they're basically waiting for the reindeer to come across so that they can herd them into this pen and shoot them. And and this is going to be, like, probably this one roundup is going to be their sustenance for the rest of the year. That's certainly what they make it seem like. Yeah, their export of this meat is their yearly salary, I guess. Right. And from what I understand, I mean, (laughs) uh, reindeer meat is a very viable food source so i mean it, it's it's realistic in that regard they uh they you know they have this huge pin set up and it's electrified electrified uh and they're waiting for the reindeer to show up and it appears that they're going to show up on cue but instead of a large herd showing up it's just a couple of stragglers and so they go try to look for the rest of the herd which they find right at the entrance to the border but they've all been slaughtered. And at first they think that maybe it was wolves because the Russians uh, up on the mountain have been doing a lot of blasting and they think that maybe that's driven the wolves down. 
and in particular that hole in the fence that Pietri right. and uh, Yuso had cut earlier, they surmise, oh, these are Russian wolves. These are the wolves that came through the fence. And so they don't know that the kids cut that hole. They assume that it's the fault of those guys on the mountain. And so they cross into the border, which is a pretty big deal. Apparently. For, apparently for them to do. But they cross over there anyway to find these guys and give them a what-what and, and demand about $85,000, which was their rough uh, calculation of how much money they lost. Right. And I guess you don't need that much money to kind of live out there in the tundra where right. they are. 85000 <laughs> probably goes a really long way. I would imagine. And then, of course, when they get there, the, the guys are gone. There's this giant hole in the crater, and they realize, oh, they've not been doing seismic testing. They've been doing some kind of bl- excavating of something here. And as you said, it seems like uh, Pietri, for whatever reason, decides that they're excavating Santa Claus, which turns out to be accurate. Right. And meanwhile, Pietri has been sitting up at night, uh, watching outside of his window, because he believes that Santa Claus is now on the loose, and he has now this image of Santa Claus as as a punisher. And one morning, close to Christmas, maybe even Christmas Eve, uh, he wakes up, and he realizes that he'd fallen asleep on his watch, uh, and he looks out, he goes outside and looks, and the, the Christmas lights around his room have been unplugged, and there are footprints outside his window. So he's convinced that Santa Claus is spying on him and the other children and he's not really far off no and he, he even sees some bloody footprints under one of the reindeer that has that kind of claw-like look and at, earlier in one of the books we had seen a picture that said santa's footsteps in the snow right and walking barefoot in the snow they looked a little claw-like just like that the movie did a pretty good job of setting the scene so that you got the significance of each of these events yes with that what's essentially i think the the credit scene isn't it when he's flipping through that book more or less and uh and looking at things it goes yeah, very slowly yeah i think so it's right it's right there in the beginning so you know from the beginning what you're getting into but the movie does a good job of kind of playing it clever too you kind of think you know what's going on uh, and then towards the end, there's an interesting twist. But That's right. You know, before we get there, Pietri has that interesting shtick, a little bit of business with his advent calendar. Yeah. Where, he, where he, you know, as it gets closer to Christmas, he he's taped the 24 closed, and he then he goes and he staples it closed. Right. You get the sense he really does not want it to happen? Right. Is that what you were thinking? Well, he doesn't want Santa Claus to come. It, it's a <laughs> you know, dread. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, I, I guess, you know, and, and in the mind of a child that, would seem rational. We just won't open that door. We won't open the 24 door because uh, we don't want Santa to come. Do you think it was always that way or that it was just the, his stumbling across this book that Santa was bad about the time that he's sort of surmised that these guys on the mountain are excavating Santa? Yeah, that's the suggestion that I got was that he has now realized the truth about Santa and that the truth is kind of dark and scary uh, and so that he's very much on on the watch now. So anyway, uh, what happens later is that his father has set up this wolf trap earlier outside of the window, which apparently is illegal to do, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a big hole in the ground with a bunch of spikes in it and uh, suspended a boar's head over it with an apple in its mouth. Right. One of those really cute moments. There's, there's a lot of interesting humor. It, it, I think it probably... Maybe there was more humor in this movie than we got because of the translation. I have a feeling that's the case. Uh, I mean, I, the subtitles were fine, and it, you could definitely keep up with the what was going on. But there would be, and of course, I don't know anything about the intricacies of the Finnish language. I, I don't know. But I noticed that there were some times when the dad or, or any other character would say something 
And the subtitle would be very brief. It seemed like they were saying more than what we were actually given. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's the case or not, but there still was some cute little humor, particularly towards the end. Um, But uh, I I read on a comment board somewhere, uh, somebody had posted that they had watched this with their Finnish girlfriend and the the Finnish girlfriend really kind of delighted in a lot of the Finnish humor. So maybe we missed out on a little bit of it, but there's some there. I think we probably did. I think there's probably a lot that just got lost in translation just because of the, and not even just the words, just maybe the, a quirkier sense of humor, yeah, or a different right. sense of humor than what we're used to. Sure. But it was kind of funny. You know, he's eating the apple, then he sticks the rest of it in this hog's head. Right, that for the bait. Suspended mm-hmm. over for the bait. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, they catch something. Uh, but it's not a wolf. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the young boy, P- Pietri, is very curious because he's convinced that it is probably Santa Claus, but the dad tries to keep him away. He doesn't want him to see what's in there. But soon the dad's friend arrives and they go out and pull out something in a tarp. They take it into the dad's butcher shop and lay it out on the table. And they at first think that it must be one of the people from the dig site, or maybe one of them says one of those crazy folks from the mountains. I I don't know if they've just got like crazy, you know, (laughs) mountain hobos, I guess. I don't know, but from the um, USA, no less. uh, Right. There was an American passport that didn't look anything like the guy. Right. uh, For all intents and purposes, it appears that they've captured Santa Claus. mm -hmm. I mean, aside from the fact that he's, he's a scrawny old man, he looks like the traditional Santa Claus. He's got the long white beard, kind of the haggard face. Uh, and that's what I'm thinking is well, they got him. Yep. Here he is. But what I thought was interesting was that as scary as he had been played up to be, this guy didn't seem all that threatening. They no. didn't have, you know, he. they thought he was dead at first. And their solution, to, because putting out the wolf traps is illegal, um, you know, they've got all that butcher stuff handy. <laughs> it's kind of a sinister and funny moment <laughs> right. at the same time. So they're just, uh, their plan apparently is just to dispose of this and, and, and pretend like nothing has happened. But when the dad goes to saw Santa Claus's arm off, uh, he jerks his arm away. And they they check his his breathing. They put a knife up under his nose, and and he is in fact breathing, and he's awake. And he's smelling smelling the children. Every time Pietri comes up to the window, he kind of gets right. a sniff, and his eyes open up a little bit. And there's there's a lot of that interesting uh, that he smells the chi- almost like the child catcher from. Uh, Chitty, 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 bang, chitty, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and sinister, but again, not particularly threatening. I mean, no. they've, they've got him uh, contained and, you, you know, he kind of gives them, they try to speak to him in, in Russian. They try to speak to him in English. Eventually, he doesn't appear to understand anybody and he gives some threatening side looks and whatnot, but they're able to keep him contained and eventually they tie him up. But before they do that, Pietri is looking in the window. His dad turns around and sees him and he's in trouble. So Pietri goes, running off down the street and his dad goes after him in the car but before his dad gets to him a police car pulls up and and Pietri gets into the car and that so the dad follows the police car into the town where the dad says to the cop oh everything's fine there's nothing to worry about and the cop says something like well if that's the case you're the only ones because I've been out in the village all night long uh, and apparently there's been a crime spree of sorts uh, in the village. <laughs> They're gra- uh, everything that can produce heat, basically, radiators, stoves, hair dryers have all been taken and been missing. 
and uh, they kind of write that off, except that uh, Yuso's dad finds, I guess he's a potato farmer, or at yeah. least that's part of his deal, finds that his whole storehouse of potatoes that was kept in sacks, nobody's taken the potatoes, right. but they've dumped them all out of the sacks, and all the sacks are gone. So right. you're getting this sort of funny, you know, as your mind puts it together a little bit, okay, we know that somebody's going to warm something up, and we know that these sacks are gone, and you think of sacks and Santa, and right. you're still not quite sure what's going on, but it is a little funny in and of itself. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and so they're there talking to the cop, and Pietri asks... One of the dad's friends, you know, where is your son? You know, this other little boy that Pietri is friends with. And he says, oh, he must not be up yet. So Pietri goes upstairs and in the bed where the boy should be, there's this creepy kind of facsimile of a child. Like, Mm. I want to say doll, but it's creepier than that. It seems kind of more natural, like it's made out of earth and twigs or something. I mean, it's 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 a little bit creepy. And uh the, the the kid's dad is not particularly concerned. He says, oh, he'll show up, you know, by, by nightfall or whatever. But that shows to Petrie that he is right, that the kids have been snatched up by Santa Claus. Yeah, and he goes home to, to confirm this. He gets on the phone and he makes a list of his friends. It's so cute. It's, it is cute. <laughs> and I have to say, you know, this little boy is is really cute and he really carries a lot of the movie. I mean, he's the central character. The The grown men certainly play an integral role and, and uh, their performance is perfectly fine too. But I this little kid is just really precocious and uh, you're kind of on the... You know, you kind of suspend that disbelief and you are kind of in the mindset of the kid, too. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's nice in that way. It's it's a sweet, kind of nostalgic, kind of Christmassy feel. He's one of these sort of quiet kids that's quietly taking in what's going on and always seems to be able to say the right things at the right times just because he's almost got it all figured out in his head, or at least you think he does. Uh, it's so neat how early on he, in preparation for the 20, for the Christmas day, has armored himself with all of the armor type things he can find. So he's wearing like a life vest or something. And <laughs> he has his helmet on like he's going to play hockey. Right. And uh, he's even uh, duct taped some cardboard to his butt. I mean, <laughs> and he's just sort of walking around like this goofball. And his dad even asks him, he's like, what is, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, it's just a game that my friend and I play upstairs. (laughs) Yeah, it is cute. And he's, he's, and he's packing heat too. You know, his, his dad has given him a, a small rifle. I presume to protect himself from wolves should any wolves appear, but it's it's a cute little image of this little boy. He's I mean, what would you say like oh, geez, nine, maybe yeah. nine if that, <clears throat> yeah. And he you know he's all decked out in what he <laughs> imagines would protect him in his time of need, and he's got this <laughs> this rifle strapped to his back. It's a funny, cute, cute image. It is cute. Once he confirms that the kids are gone, he tries to get the adults' attention, and they're sort of distracted by this idea. And they sort of come to this notion that this is Santa Claus. He's the one who kind of, who suggests it, pretty much. Right. And says, oh, they were digging, that's who they were excavating up here. So these guys, well, the kid basically comes in and, su- and suggests that it's Santa Claus. And they are also willing to go along with that. You well, know? initially they say, no, it's just fairy tale stuff. But this, this guy, Santa, that they have captured, when they captured him, he was wearing a coat. And it it was one of the workmen's coats from the site. And so they just discarded it first, and it, which is another funny thing. You've got Santa Claus running around naked for a good while. Um, <laughs> That's right. Interesting image, this, you know, kind of frail old guy, totally nude. And they're it, just poking him, and he's kind of curled in the yeah. corner and stuff. Um, <laughs> Where are your friends? 
kysy siltä, mitä ne kaivu sieltä tunturista. What did you dig inside the mountain? But eventually, from this coat, they hear something, a noise, and they find a walkie-talkie in there, and on the other end of the walkie-talkie is the American who seems to be the boss, you know, the guy who's funded this project or whatever, and he's saying, is Santa's sleigh ready, or, or something along those lines, is the cargo ready? Um, and so they figure, well, it must be. Uh, and the plan that they hatch is, you know, these people were responsible for us losing our income for the year. So we'll sell Santa back to them to cover our losses. Uh, and that's that's what they plan to do. And, you know, this is the point when I'm expecting, okay, there's going to be, he's going to escape. There's going to be, you know, he's going to grow fangs. He's going to bite these people or whatever. Nope. The next shot is this totally cornball shot of him in a giant cage in the back of this truck. They've dressed him in a Santa suit yep. and everything. And they're driving him out to meet a helicopter at the storage location of this uh, company in order to make an exchange for $85,000. <laughs> right. And one of one of the guys wants to demand much more money. He says, you know, if this is the real original Santa Claus, somebody's going to be getting rich off this. But uh, Pietri's dad is just satisfied to get, you know, to recover their losses. So they meet this American guy there who, he was in the opening scene, and he was the one that was so excited at what they had found. And he had said something back then, always believe, always. He kind of said that to himself. And then he's talking to the men. He says, my wildest dream since childhood is about to come true. We're standing on a sacred grave. So apparently this has kind of been his life mission to mm-hmm. find Santa Claus and now he, he has. And so he meets them there and he wants to know who they are. But, you know, they're like, it doesn't matter. You know, we've got what you want. Just give us the money. And it seems like he's pretty agreeable to it. Like he doesn't really object. Uh, who knows? He may have had to pay more to the other guys. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right. This is the part where I thought, okay, now Santa's going to show his true colors. He's going to bust out of this thing. He's going to be crazy powerful and, and scary. But the guy goes up right up to the cage and looks at him, and Santa kind of gets this flash in his eye. Shh. Put down your weapons and smile as nice as you can. Move slowly and do exactly as I say. This is not Santa. What? It's one of Santa's little helpers. And that is when for me, up to that point, I enjoyed the movie overall, but I felt like up to that point, the build had been pretty slow. Yes. And it was, you know, interesting, but I, I felt like it was a little bit drawn out. It seemed, I, I was wishing that we would get to more action a little bit quicker. And then here, when this twist came, I thought, well, that's it. You know, this is at least really interesting. I didn't expect it. I didn't see it coming at all. And uh, what happens is, you know, they kind of look around. All of a sudden, they see these figures darting around in the shadows in the dark. The guy who was flying the helicopter that delivered the American guy, he gets dispatched kind of off screen. You just kind of see his hat come flying into screen, screen and you hear him screaming. And then it becomes clear that all of these shadowy guys around are just like the guy that they've captured. They're these scrawny, decrepit old men, and apparently these are the elves. (laughs) Which begs the question, if these are Santa's little elves, how big is Santa, right? Exactly. And this is the point where it gets totally sort of screwball in that it would be a screwball comedy if it wasn't still such a more subdued finish 
<laughs> kind of right. film, you know? I, maybe this is as close as we get to screwball comedy in yeah. that film world. But uh, the kid walks up to even a large... It looks like a giant hanger. Yeah. And the hanger door is on it. On the hanger door is painted 24. Right. It's virtually identical to the 24 on his advent calendar that he has been stapled. He's had stapled up. <laughs> it's um, a hilarious little touch. It is hilarious. And, you know, it, it was really kind of a cool set piece. You know, then you've got this little tiny kid standing in front of these huge doors. And he just says, the last door. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they go in there and uh, they see that all of the stolen appliances. Appliances, the, the the heaters, the stoves, all of that has been set up in a circle. And uh, the little boy says, the elves made a nest for Santa Claus. And it pans up and you see that within the circle of all these appliances are sacks, moving sacks. So obviously the children have been gathered around <laughs> and it's this huge, enormous block of ice with two enormous horns protruding from the top. And apparently this is Santa Claus and the elves, you know, what they were doing was they're, they're thawing him out so he can do his thing. And and they've gathered all the children from around in front of them. And, and this is funny because this is the point where the adults, they're all barricaded barricaded themselves into this building because the elves have approached them from all directions or outside. They know they're pretty screwed. There's no way they're going to get out with those elves surrounding them. And they all have like pickaxes and things right. like that. I mean, it's it's kind of, even though these are old men, they clearly can hold their own. Sure. And there's a lot of them. Oh, <laughs> it yeah. It seems like, you know, it's like a horde. And so guys. do you think they were frozen with Santa or do you think they were just sort I have of no activated? Idea. That that part doesn't never really yeah, gets explained. I guess it's kind of a plot hole. I, I have no idea if they were also excavated or if they, you know, they just didn't have anything to do because Santa Claus was trapped. Um, that could I don't be. know. That could be. Then they just sprung into action when uh, when needed. Well, at any rate, the kid's the one who comes up with the whole plan. He just sort of jumps into high gear and he's like, trust me, listen to me. Those <laughs> elves aren't going to leave the hangar while the kids are still here, so we need to get the kids out. And it's hilarious. You know, the guys are all kind of panicking and they're, they're you know, they're trying to stack up the <laughs> ovens and stuff to barricade and keep the elves out. And the kid's shouting, listen to me, listen to me, and they won't. So he takes his shotgun and fires it into the air and gets their attention and then he just totally takes charge well that that part it is in itself is hilarious because he sh- he fires a shotgun and they all turn and look at him and it's just sort of this slow motion zoom in on him where kind of turns he looks and he <laughs> and of course it's not smoke coming right. out of his mouth but it's a uh, condensation from his, breath, from his right. breath or whatever but he's just got that badass sort of diehard look to him you know when he's... And, and it is hilarious because at that point he just takes charge <laughs> and the guy the men listen to him they're gonna follow his plan uh, and he's got as not plausible as <laughs> as this whole thing really is it's funny and it's fun to watch it is. So, I mean, to make a long story short, the guy breaks out. Uh, one of the guys uh, gets out and gets past the elves by dropping gingerbread along the way. Which yeah, just there's been a running the gingerbread gag throughout. It's, <laughs> it's, it's they've got funny. gingerbread coming out of their pockets, right. apparently. <laughs> and then he gets into a helicopter, pulls the kids out in the giant sacks with, with a giant sack. Right, in a giant net. Mm-hmm, which uh, then Pietre is actually riding uh-huh. uh, as it swings through the air and, of course, draws the elves away and eventually into that pen. 
Right, the reindeer pen. Which was a great idea. Right. And meanwhile, uh, the other adults are back um, at the warehouse or hangar or whatever it is. Coincidentally, there happened to be a large stockpile of explosives uh, in there also. So they are setting up explosives all around the big block of ice and drilling explosives into the ice. And uh, once they've got that all set up, they saw off the <laughs> of Santa Claus's horns, which are enormous. I mean, they're so big, like they they're as, like as big as the truck. They put him, they put them in the back of a, a bed of a truck, and they're just these huge, enormous horns. Um, and uh, what happens is, while uh, Pietri is gathering, of course, he has to. When they get there, it's his idea to go to the pen. But when they get there, he realizes that the gate is closed, and so he calls on his walkie-talkie, the guy who's flying the plane, and says, the gate's closed. And the guy says, well, it was a good plan. It's too bad it's not going to work out. And the kid says, no, I'm going down there. I'm going to open it. And uh, the guy says, but you can't. I I won't be able to land to pick you up. And he just, in a very, you know, Bruce Willis diehard moment, he just I'm not coming back. (laughs) (laughs) And he drops down into the pen very heroically and he opens the gate and this huge horde of zombie-like Santa Clauses are approaching um, and he just gets on the walkie one more time and says tell my dad what I did (laughs) so good it's silly but at the same time it's cute well it's cute coming from this kid you know yeah I mean the whole time he's been preoccupied with you know, he, he's asked his dad blatantly, am I a good boy? You know, am I a good boy or am I a bad boy? You know, would it would it be better if I just disappeared and went away? It seems like he's really wanted to prove himself to his dad. And as corny as it is, he gets his chance. And it's a sweet little moment there at the end. It really is. Uh, and then they blow up Santa and just sort of like killing the boss or killing Dracula or something right. like that. Once Santa's completely exploded, the elves stop doing what they're doing. Right, they it's kind of like no the spell reason. is broken, right. Yeah, for existence, so they just kind of stumble around, and they're just standing there in the pen, and these guys do a quick calculation, like, so uh, how much for one? 83,000, so how much for all these? And then it was like 16 point something million. million. right. And the next scene, I'm sorry, I was totally not expecting it. No, I didn't see it coming at all either, <laughs> and it's hilarious, and it tied back into the title so well. I thought that the ending was really clever. Kind of dark and weird, but it might as well be, you right. know, with the, how this movie's gone. Yeah, they just, uh, they train these guys to be Santa Clauses and ship them all yeah. across, around the world. <laughs> they train them, like, on an assembly line. It's really hilarious. <laughs> they give them dolls that, and, and like, a, a, a wrapped box, and Pietri's dad sits in a chair in front of them with Pietri on his lap and, like, models the behavior, and, you know, they're trying to learn, and um, <laughs> sometimes they mess up and have to be corrected, but if they do a good job, they get their Santa hat, and then it cuts to the end where they... They are just boxing up these Santa Clauses in these big wooden crates. Like, literally. uh, Right. uh, (laughs) That are stamped with the words rare exports, uh, live contents. um, From the original uh, home of Land of Santa or something. I mean, what a great marketing deal. And uh, they apparently have... uh, The guy who flew the helicopter before is is clearly you know an excellent pilot because now he's he's piloting this big cargo plane and i you know that's it's their happy ending you know not only did they recover their losses but they're making tons of money now instead of exporting reindeer meat exporting 
I guess mall Santas. The mall Santa. <laughs> <laughs> as far as Tanzania and yeah. beyond, it, that's really funny. It was it was very much a Monsters Incorporated kind of ending where now instead of scaring the children, they're going out and giving joy to right, children. Right. You know, I, <laughs> it it was an interesting ending. I guess you know I was looking up a little bit about this movie, and the movie was spurred on by a short. Yeah, apparently it was popular on the web. I didn't see it. it I haven't seen it either. Two thousand three. Yeah, there. I guess there was there was uh, an original short, and then it was pretty successful. And then they made kind of a sequel short, um, and then somebody proposed the idea of doing a feature film, and and they ran with it. Yeah. So I mean, you can kind of tell that. I guess something this goofy would come from origins like that. You know, something a little shorter, a little probably something that set a tone. Right. And this movie just then took that tone and expanded it across a whole film. Right. And the runtime at 80 some minutes. I mean, it's a it's a short movie, but it almost and I don't want to be critical because I did like it, but it it almost felt like it would have maybe been more suited Mm. for an hour. The beginning especially just seemed to kind of be a little bit drawn out. Not that things weren't happening, not that we weren't getting more information. Um, It was just kind of slow. I was kind of waiting for the action to pick up. But overall, I think that I had really high expectations because this got really, really good reviews. I mean, around the world, it got really good reviews. Roger Ebert gave it four and a half out of five stars, I think. It won lots of awards internationally. So I think that I, and you know, we've been putting this off to save it for the last one. My hopes were really high, uh, and I, I think I was a little bit disappointed, but only because I had had such great expectations. It's well, not a bad movie. No, and it's not really a, a horror movie either. I mean, it is, but it's... It's I, really tame. It's very tame, and it has that sort of adventure element to right. it as well. And I think the slow build also is not something that you normally get. You didn't have a scare at the beginning. Right. You didn't have it set up immediately that people were dying or there was this horrible thing out there going on. It took a while. And I think I would have had less patience for that slow build if the environment and the characters and their situation wasn't so interesting. Yeah, I agree 100%. And and some of that's because it was foreign. Mm -hmm. But other parts of it, I really felt for this group of people Mm -hmm. whose livelihood for the year over the course of a couple hours is completely out the window. Right. And they do a really good job, I think, of setting up that relationship between uh, Pietre... Pietri and his dad, Rauno, mm-hmm. when they're at that point. Mm-hmm. He burns the meat, yeah. you know, in for Christmas dinner, uh, and all he really has is gingerbread that he's made, and right. they have a little bit about it was his mom's. But Rauno is very distracted. He's looking out the window. There are tears in his eyes, right. and Pietri is trying to kind of get through to him and trying to say some things, and he's basically telling him, just go to bed, just go to bed, and in a very loving way. Right. But it's, you know, I I guess you have to attribute it to the performance and the direction because it did, you really got, you did feel for the people and you sensed the gravity of this situation for them. You know, the dad is trying to keep his cool, but that's their yearly income. You know, what are they going to do? You know, it's it's a very serious situation they're in. And I agree that uh, the characters were very engaging. There are so many good things about it. You know, I don't want to be... Again, I don't want to be critical because there are so many good things about it. Uh, I loved the score. I thought the score was beautiful. There were sometimes, you know, you're you're in this set setting with 
these beautiful picturesque mountains and some really cool shots, some aerial shots, and uh, you've got kind of this sweeping score uh, against that setting that I thought was really effective. The cinematography seemed really good. This did not feel like a oh, cheapy no. movie at all. Not at all. Uh, I mean, it felt you know like something that people had really put time and effort and probably quite a bit of money into. So there are a lot of, of, of strong points. I think maybe had my expectations, and maybe had I gone in with no expectations, if I had known nothing about it, um, maybe I would have uh, felt a little bit differently. Well, and two, I think the ending does fizzle out just a little bit. I was it, bummed. I was bummed that we didn't get to see the Santa Claus you monster. You never get to see the monster. It's in the ice, and I'm sure that was a deliberate choice on I'm their sure. part. But in the same sense, you didn't have that level of the final battle right. against the really the supernatural big bad. big bad guy that you often get, well, in horror movies, right. but just in general, it's usually a lot tougher for people in the end. Usually plans kind of go awry. Pretty much this kid's plans worked out. Right. He knew what to do. They executed it. They had no trouble executing right. it. And it worked out. Right. And that's, you know, that's all well and good. You know, I don't need for it to be contrived. You know, I'm fine with that. It's just, I think that the reveal of the Santa monster was such a cool reveal. I mean, it it, it was so massive, um, but you don't get, all you get to see is the horns and the horns are very impressive and scary. But then I was thinking, oh, I can't wait to see what's under that ice. I can't wait to, when it cracks out and there's one moment where the ice does kind of crack and you think, oh, here it comes, here it comes. It just doesn't. No. And and that's okay. I get it. I understand it as a choice. But, but a little it, bit of a letdown. But it's a neutered bad guy, you know? It's a bad guy that we've been building up to all this time who is just stuck in ice until he's blown up. And then it turns out that the bad guys that they really have to deal with are just these elf helpers. Which, right. as you said before, aside from the fact that there's so many of them, you get one by itself without a weapon in its hand. And it, you know, a couple people around, it doesn't right. seem to be that much of a threat, no. so... It's not a super threatening situation that they were in, which which kind of brings it a little bit more out of the realm of horror. Maybe in, I wouldn't say it's a family film, but it's pretty darn close. Yeah. Maybe in the same sense that Krampus was. Maybe in the same sense that even even more so than like Gremlins or something. Right. I mean, it, I would say that it's even less dark than, than those films. Oh, yeah. You know, we've talked before, you know, could you let your kids see this? I, I think probably a lot of American children would be put off by the fact that it's subtitled but beyond that I think that you could show small children this movie oh, I mean yeah. there are and I say small children you know like the age of the kid in the movie 8, 9, 10 there are casualties but they're all anonymous characters that you don't care about, and they there's nothing really graphic or violent. They're pretty much all, all and that always happens off screen, right? And uh, the only gore of any kind is you know when the original elf falls into the wolf trap, he's kind of gored by one of the stakes in there, and and you see the blood on his skin. But it's I mean it's it's not terribly graphic. There is. A fair amount of full frontal nudity um, with, with the old Santa Clauses. But beyond that, it does feel pretty family friendly. I, I would imagine that people could let their kids see this. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to look up this legend sometime, you know, and see. We've seen several films now that present different takes on the Santa Claus legend and make certain claims about 
offshoots of that legend, ancillary characters like the Krampus. Well, this is the true story of Santa and how he came to be. Then now I'm kind of all confused. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, now I really want to get back and see, okay, do I, is there more than the Saint Nick that we kind of know? And then, of course, you know, the Coca-Cola Santa. Right. And, and that's, I, I would like to as well. You know, I feel like I've read some things. You know, I've read some of the Krampus lore, and I know that uh, the idea of Santa Claus is relatively universal, but each culture kind of puts their own spin on it. And it really comes as no surprise to me that the origins were almost certainly darker, or at least had a darker edge to them. Um, In our culture, you know, we kind of... It's just like with, you know, the original Grimm fairy tales. We have kind of Disney-fied Santa to a certain degree, yeah. which is which is fine. You know, it's it's sweet. It's it's a fun thing for kids. It doesn't necessarily have to have that dark edge, but it's still interesting, and you're right. I would be interested to learn more about it, too. Well, and a film that we're not going to get to, but if you are interested in seeing another dark Santa Claus movie before uh, Christmas comes, St. Nick, which I don't think you said nope, you hadn't seen, seen it. it. That's a pretty interesting take, and in that, you get another European cultural view where not only is there Santa Claus or the Saint Nick kind of Santa Claus, but there's also a character that is his helper who's black, who's like a North African or something helper. Yeah, I've read about that. And they dress up. I mean, that is a whole cultural interpretation of Christmas that's been going on for hundreds of years that we are totally oblivious to that's not really that far off, you know? So uh, there's a lot of Santa Claus lore to explore out there. There's a lot to play with. I wouldn't be surprised, especially after this Christmas, to start seeing a little more of the horror film Santa or these horror Christmas films coming uh, next year. Yeah, either that or people will be totally burned out on it. I I, I feel like we've been really inundated with it uh, this year. I don't know why that is. It's like it's come to a head. Yeah. I mean, this is a 2010 movie. Right. Uh, You know, so... And there have been some others. You know, there's the really goofball... Santa's sleigh that came out, I don't know, four or oh, five years yeah. ago. I think Santa was played like by a professional wrestler. And, <laughs> um, he, you know, he was going around slaughtering people and stuff. So it's not like it's, it's a new concept, but it really feels like we've been inundated with it recently. We're getting higher quality movies. Let's put it that That's way. That's true. But far beyond the, the direct to DVD fair, Santa sleigh and, and Jack Frost and those. Kinds right. Of, kinds well, of and that was one of the other things that I kept thinking as we were watching this movie, one of the things that I really appreciated about it was that it didn't seem like a cookie cutter copycat of some of those other movies we've gotten. It is unique. It's it's different. Yeah, it takes the spin on the bad Santa kind of thing, which we've seen before and will continue to see, I'm sure. But beyond that, it doesn't make me, th- oh, this is just like this movie or, oh, it's just like that movie. No, I mean, it stands alone. It's completely alone. different. Right. Super different. And, and I even thought when I saw the, the horns... I was getting shades of Krampus, but right. only in the visuals. Right. Absolutely not in the plot. Absolutely not in the lore or anything like that. Yeah, yeah I liked it. Overall, I liked it. I, I didn't think it was amazing, but it was enjoyable. And, you know, if if you like scary movies, but you're feeling more kind of on the warm, fuzzy side of Christmas, you know, as we get closer, you know, you kind of want to embrace the, the cheer and the happiness of it. I think this would be, you know, an appropriate film for you know just just a a laid back 
relaxing, you know, it's not a big think piece. It's not, you know, super violent or, or gory. Really, more than anything, I'd say it's kind of a sweet movie. It is. It's kind of a child's adventure film. Mm-hmm. We, we focus around that child the whole time. And just like in these films, it's the kid who saves the adults from themselves right. and who can think like a child does, which is what you have to do to save yourself in the situation. He's the one with the advanced knowledge. He's the one that knows what's going on all along. And as a kid, as long as you're cool with reading subtitles, right. <laughs> this is the kind of movie you would enjoy. I think. I, I think so. I think it's a cute movie. Well, Merry Christmas to everybody. Thank you for listening to us during this month of Christmas-themed horror films. We've sure enjoyed exploring just a little bit of that corner of the horror market. It really has been fun. It's kind of put me in the mood. Yeah. (laughs) In a weird way. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. Check us out on Facebook. Share our pages there as well. You can also now find us on Stitcher and on iTunes. So please subscribe to us there and have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That is from Todd. And Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. 